Hello and welcome to Listen Carefully. I'm your host Nathan Jolly and today's guest is Ella Hooper, formerly of Killing Heidi, now a solo artist with a new record called Small Town Temple. And if you haven't heard of her since Killing Heidi days, you'll be quite surprised by this album. It's alt country, much in the vein of Lucinda Williams. It's got a lot of Fleetwood Mac sounds throughout. It's a brilliant album, and she's soon to be touring with James Rain. And to celebrate that, yesterday they released a version of Way Out West, which if you're a 90s kid, you'll know from the James Rain and James Blundell hit. If you're a 70s kid, you'll know it from the Dingoes original. And if you're around now, maybe you'll know it from the Ella Hooper version. I reckon this has the potential to be our horses, where these two can come out and just crank this at festivals for the next 10 years. Anyway, enough of that. We dive straight in. Enjoy. First of all, congratulations on the new album. Thank you. 37 minutes as well. It's a nice, tight collection. Yes, I didn't want to go on too long. I felt like it was um, quite a, uh, you know, there's a lot of content in that 37 minutes. I wanted to talk about a few of the influences. I get really definite Stevie Nicks vibes from songs like Grow Wild and The Basics and stuff. Um, What other influences, I'm just assuming she's an influence, but um, (laughs) what were the influences for this project? Oh, that's a huge compliment. Like, that's that's fantastic that you got that. I'm very happy with that. Um, Lots of the other influences were sort of um, the music I grew up with, which was a lot of 60s, 70s, early 80s Americana, um, like artists like Bonnie Raitt, Lucinda Williams, Iris Dement, um, and then, you know, somewhat going into the 90s with Sheryl Crow and stuff like that, sort of acoustic singer-songwriter, folk, rock, all that stuff, basically any female singer-songwriter. I mean, Linda Ronstadt, I love Linda Ronstadt as well, and I hope there's a touch of that in there. But probably more so that Lucinda Williams, Bonnie Raitt kind of side of town. Yeah, it shares a lot with those artists, I think, like the latter two you mentioned. I think lyrically it's very specific and it's kind of gritty, obviously very small town-ish. I really love the specific lyrical references on it. Like I'm not from Victoria, but just hearing you mention the V-line and the Hume, like it just really roots it in a time and place, which is great. Thanks so much. Yeah, I I kind of... um... You know, it's a bit confronting when you when you are you choose to be so specific. You hope that that's not only going to resonate with you. But a great songwriting teacher once told me, the more specific you are, the more universal it lands. Which sounds like it shouldn't work that way. Sounds like an oxymoron. But I've found it's those exact tracks where I'm naming the street names of my town and the the places we used to go and the things we used to do that people are like, "That's me. That was my afternoon. That was my childhood." So. That songwriting teacher was right. <laughs> yeah, and it gives it, like, Springsteen songs do it. Like, all the big American artists do it. Yeah. But it kind of, I don't know, it's hard to not seem jingoistic when you're Australian. There's something about it. That's why it's scary. That's yeah. why I, I don't particularly sing with a broad Australian accent. I don't even think I sort of talk with a very broad Australian accent. So I would feel a little weird putting too much of that in there but I did want to put a bit of that Australian specificity you know I've been sort of jokingly calling it Australiana Americana because I <laughs> love you know Bruce Springsteen's another huge influence and Tom Petty you know in the rock in the rockier parts 
it's Springsteen and Tom Petty that I think do that so well, where the song comes first, but the the package is quite dynamic and rocky, and I love that stuff as well. So that's pretty much my whole life playlist that we've already covered, and <laughs> people are sort of getting a bit a bit of that out of the record. I'm really pleased because that's definitely who I was sort of referencing and stepping into their shoes saying can I pull this off even though these are tiny Victorian place names you know it's not like Route 66 or Highway 61 you don't get to name check things like that but maybe one day our place names will become more comfortable to sort of sing about and put in the Great Australian Songbook. Yeah I love that you mentioned that you won Tidy Towns as well. (laughs) Twice actually but I couldn't it didn't sing well. you name check Jesse in the album. Does he play on it? He does on that track, yeah. Oh, really? On that track? That's amazing. You know, the when Jesse would play guitar every day, jing, 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 that's when Oh, he, that's so cool. I know. Like, I, no one will know would know that unless I told them, but it was a very personal process. And, you know, I kind of scratched a lot of internal itches with this record. And, again, that's why I'm just so – I'm quite I'm quite flabbergasted that it's connecting – it's probably connecting more than any of my previous solo stuff. And even though it was just such a personal endeavor. So, yeah, there you go. Yeah, yeah he's charting. Like, yeah, I know. That's, I never charting anymore. Like, <laughs> that's crazy. Who thought that would happen? <laughs> well, you got a pretty good start in the charts. So, you can't. Yeah, that, too... that's true. Yeah. That's true. Clocked it once, don't need to do it again. <laughs> um, I really like your Venom EP. Thank you. Me and too. I think, yeah, I think that's very similar to this in kind of that rickety country vibe and like you can hear the room in it, like especially in Venom, like it's, you can, mm. there's noises all through it and yeah. very cool production choices. Thank you so much. That's um a really special one. I feel like that was my personal best and maybe now this is my next personal best. So yeah, Venom is very uh, me and my my main right-hand woman, Mads Davey, she's the keyboardist and synthesizer player who really co-created Venom with me. She's in my band now still. We've been working together for years and years and years. And we talked about that, how I was started this journey then really of like wanting to try and put people in the room and wanting to make more intimate records and draw people in. And that's the kind of stuff I like to listen to. So, But it's been quite challenging for me to attain that with all of my pop and rock and roll training so a lot of unlearning is always going on and I'm always having to sort of confront some knee-jerk reactions in the studio and stuff like that because I came up through such a different system um but I think on Venom we cracked we really forged that new ground and and with this one it's almost like a sweeter lighter version of that Venom aesthetic yeah, no, I totally agree. Because after Venom, then you kind of went back a bit more pop. I did. I swang like that. You did, yeah. I spooked myself. <laughs> oh, really? Is that the reason? I did. I had a bit of like, I don't know if I'm ready for this or something or, yeah. Amazing. And and honestly, I think I needed, I was um in a little bit of a, probably like a bit of a lost slash dark place and I needed a bit of uplifting. So I went and made more uplifting music to sort of bring that in to my life but now things are yeah I just it just I just didn't once I did a one or two pop tracks as like a throwback and much bigger production and stuff I realized I really had moved on from that that it the the shoe no longer fit like it used to and now I feel like I'm right in my happy place that's amazing and I've noticed like you're touring with like 
country artists and it seems to be is that kind of part of is that where you see yourself heading yeah it is it is and I wouldn't you know say like oh I'm a country artist now or you know be so bold as to just claim that genre but I I am very I love those sounds I always have that is the music I was raised on I'm a pretty diehard country and Americana fan so I love to be alongside those artists I think that's a kind of um, market's not the right word, but like a fan base, a fan base. Yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah. That that really love story songs, and I really love story songs. So I would love to be friends with them. Yeah. <laughs> and they love songwriters as well, which is what you very much are. Well, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> um, I listened to Kettle this morning. I didn't realize. <laughs> I didn't realize it was on Spotify. <laughs> what a great song to have written when you were thirteen. Thank you, thank you. It it, it really was the beginning of this of every you know of me having opportunities to be an artist and share and talk about getting spooked like I never expected that to to seed the way it did a 20 plus year career but it really did like that was even though there was a bit of a gap after pedal coming out well it was like 96 I think 96 and then you know reflector and killing high didn't generally happen or become what it was until 99 2000 but yeah in those years we were actually working pretty hard on creating that and stuff. So it really did start way back when I was 13 in 96. And Kettle was just the most easy song to write, you know, beginner's luck really because I, I also think, wow, shit, if I could write a song that simple and that, that affecting tomorrow, I'd be pretty happy. But it doesn't work <laughs> like that, you know. You can't be 13 again. No, nah, yeah, if I could just knock a few, you know, experience and jadedness and negativity and self-consciousness out of my brain then I could probably write another song like that (laughs) you mentioned that that took like quite a while to go from that to the actual because I think the first thing we heard was weir in 99 so that's like a three-year gap and you guys were recording all through that Mm -hmm. was it just basically the fact that you had like this kind of producer that was trying to really get it polished yeah big big part of it was that there was a very specific vision and <laughs> we sometimes didn't agree on yeah, that vision i've heard and i think because we were trying to finish high school but between you and i we weren't trying very hard we were, no. like, we were, we were like i think we would definitely want to do rock and roll can we please just focus on that but what about geography and history and yeah oh tests well. And get this, both my parents were high school teachers, so they were probably very conflicted. (laughs) (laughs) These two kids, you know, just completely lose interest in school because our band started, you know, getting national airplay. But bless them, they were like, well, that's kind of something that you've got to do. You've got to strike while the iron's hot in a way and get your foot in the door. And schooling, you can technically do it whenever. You know, you it's not like they lock you out of education at any time. So... They were amazing and they said, follow your dreams. That's probably a time-sensitive thing and it is, like, to be frank, it really is and it's been a massive blessing having those early opportunities. Even though they didn't always go the way I wanted them to go, it's still a real leg up, you know, so I'm glad we were allowed to do that. When was the last time you listened to Reflector all the way through? Oh, Probably just after it came out. Oh, really? That so? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I don't. I really hate listening to my own music. Yeah, I could imagine, especially something that was you were so young, and also it was really kind of produced and 
Yes. I mean, there's turntables on it. It's it's hard to listen to it without picking apart the production and, and, and hearing the effects on my vocals even. You know, it's very affected. And and compliments I used to get on get for my voice back then, I'd be like, yeah, but I don't even think that sounds like me. And frankly, it doesn't. It's like, oh, very 90s, you know, so multi-layered and so affected that there is a singer singing well in there, but it doesn't really sound like me. So it's a strange journey as the person that's doing it. However, I play it, I, I perform it all the time. So I, I have to, I sing the songs and I know the songs and I have a pretty current relationship with them, but not so much the CD and the recordings because it's harder to enjoy. Yeah, I can imagine like anything you do when you're a teenager, you cringe at now, but mm-hmm. to know that there's hundreds and thousands of copies out there <laughs> of it, that must be daunting. I don't want to be rude to people who absolutely no, yeah. love it the way it is because I just want to sort of like sometimes I have to bite my tongue because the fans are like, that song means so much to me and it was the soundtrack to this and like they don't know any other version of it and to them it's the only thing they've ever heard and it's perfect or whatever and I'm like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that's for you, it's yours, you know. Yeah, and when they listen to it, they're in their old car again whereas you're just thinking about, oh, no, that's me in my voice. That's right, yeah. that's but that makes me happy. I feel like that really takes the edge off. You know, if you had, <laughs> if you didn't have those lovely shared experiences that the music creates, it would be even harder to sort of look back and be good with it. Yeah. And of course, you guys put out three albums. And then I imagine by that stage, you wanted to move on. Was that hard to kind of pull the pin or was it literally you guys were just waiting for last day of school, so to speak? Um, It was hard to pull the pin. It was a bit of a battle. It really was a bit fractured at that point and some people wanted to stop and others didn't and it wasn't um, acrimonious between the band. It was kind of like just an ongoing discussion. Um, The higher-ups weren't fond of it. (laughs) No, I can't imagine. Yeah, the sort of team that weren't in the creative team, the team around the band were like, what are you doing? You're crazy. You're still, you know, a pretty big band. And and we were like, this isn't working. It's not going. I can't see that we could take it where I would need it to go to feel creatively fulfilled. And we did try for a bit. We, We have a whole unreleased recorded album that probably no one will ever hear where I was like, can we just try and do it all ourselves and go to the studio and change our sound and get more focus on the songwriting and less, like, much more subtle production. And we did we did an okay job. Oh, that's really and cool. Who did you – did you have, like, a producer or engineer or did you guys do that? We just had some engineers and they were great and, you know, the, the mission statement was kind of for them to empower us, not for them to overpower us because that's what we'd had for a good five, you know, the five, six years. of. And it wasn't bad. It just wasn't – for me, I was like, yeah, it's not it's not good enough, you know, because we hadn't grown those skills to be masters at that and we threw ourselves in the deep end, perhaps overcorrecting by not having a producer at all and great to try, but I was like, I think I just want to try something else, yeah. Yeah, you skipped the demo stage, yeah. Yeah, we, <laughs> you know too much. <laughs> um, exactly what happened. <laughs> <laughs> so is that is that why there was like a gap between... So the Versus EP and the last Killing Heidi, was that you guys just had kind of a, like, an album that... Yeah, that and I think it took us a while 
to figure out whether the verses would be uh, me going solo or Ella and Jesse Hooper, a duo, um, or whether it would be a whole, which is what we landed on, a whole new band, you know, not using either of our sort of names and identities, but it was going to be more of my songwriting at the fore. That's why the verses sounds a lot more like Ella Hooper solo. It does, yeah. It sounds like this record a lot. Yeah. Again, that well, kind of 70s AM yeah. Ronstadt sound. I just, good. yeah, that's my cup of tea. So the verses was not sold as that, but much more me at the helm behind the scenes. And yeah, I sort of wonder why we did that sometimes. I just don't think I was ready to step right forward as a solo artist. It really terrified me actually for a long time. Were you kind of, was that the advice at the time to use the name Ella Hooper, step out? Yeah. Oh yeah. Always. They don't want the verses. No, nah, no one wanted the verses. That you was can't even Google it. No, nah, no, it's, it's kind of weird. You know, when people mention that, I'm like, oh, you know about the verses? Like, <laughs> you have to be a pretty hardcore Killing Heidi or Ella Hooper fan to even know about that band. But um, again, really glad we did it. But it was against the advice of all of the helpers that we had. And <laughs> maybe I'm just not very good at career. And you know what? I'm probably not. I've been very lucky to keep getting chances and bites at the cherry because I often do the thing that I'm told not to do. You know, as soon as Killing Heidi started to show cracks, people were like, go solo, go solo. Like everyone knows who Ella Hooper is yeah, and you're yeah. young and you're that. And I was like, I'm not into that. I don't know what I do. And until I have a really clear vision for that, I'm not going near it because I'll just become more more manipulated than ever before. And I'm already feeling that way. So no, thank you. Oh, and look at the landscape at that time for like late teens, early 20s solo artists. It was like Jessica Simpson, Britney Spears, Christine Aguilera, and people are going, you should do that. Like, of course you ran a mile. Yeah, I did. And, you know, the best I could kind of think was like, oh, maybe I could, maybe I could Gwen Stefani it because she did oh, yeah, a great Yeah, she was I, going But well. I don't like that music. I'm not really a solo pop girl. Like, I don't own one record by a solo female pop artist. So, they, <laughs> Not one, and no. I never have, so why would I do that, you know? <laughs> Not even the Mariah Carey Christmas album? Not even. Oh, there you go. <laughs> and you don't need to buy it because you can't avoid it. <laughs> yeah, it's in the mail, yeah. Yeah, it's in the air, it's in the it, atoms. It <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, that, what you were just saying, brings me nicely to the old news single, which I thought was a very cool song to put out. Um has that kind of been received the way you thought it would be received? And how did you expect it to be received, like message-wise, well, I suppose? Again, I, I think I'd forgotten. I, I was happy, really happy to release that as the first single, but I I was in that stage of recording, releasing, you know, and it being the first single, it wasn't that long after. Doing all the odds and ends and the tidbits and the mixing and the mastering, my head was in the the work of the album and I'd forgotten what that track was kind of about. And I was like, yeah, yeah, we'll do old news. It'll be great. It's a lovely sound. It's a gentle start. You know, it's kind of mid tempo. And I forgot about the content. And when it hit, you know, when it got out there and people were just so reacting so strongly to the lyrics and the content, I was like, Oh yeah, this is the one where <laughs> I kind of pour my heart out. I kind of say like, like I had really honestly bled out just going like, why are people making such a big fuss about this song? I think it's good, but yeah, I, it's strong, strong reaction to that song. It's, I think it was 
one of the strongest and you know it was the first so maybe it was exciting to sort of hear me again or see what I was doing but I think it's still streaming a lot more than like all of the other singles it's definitely struck a chord somehow and yeah it feels awesome oh that's amazing um well congratulations again on the album can't wait to Thank hear what you do next I'm enjoying this country trajectory I'm gonna stick on it I'm gonna right. I'm, I don't myself this time I feel feel amazing like I feel like I've found a very what's the term a, a rich vein to to tap and I'm going to keep tapping it until it runs dry amazing well thank you so much for your time thanks so much great it's great to speak to you that was Ella Hooper and if you enjoyed that chat you'll no doubt enjoy small town temple so go and listen to that wherever you listen to music and why not catch her with James Rain? She's touring throughout the country. That tour starts May 26th in Tasmania. For all the rest of the dates and tickets and stuff, go to listencarefully.com.au. There'll also be a playlist of all the music that we discussed here. And if you enjoyed this episode, please give me a five-star rating on Apple Music or Google or wherever you listen to podcasts. It really helps this rocket up the charts, much like a teenage Ella Hooper did. And our guest next week will be Robert Forster from The Go-Betweens. So tune into that next Saturday. And until then, you'll have to do it alone. Bye. (laughs) 